episode 66 fractured skulls it is tuesday november 16th 2021 it's we're in the evening it's cold outside and soon very soon next thursday is freaking thanksgiving we haven't even finished putting away the halloween decorations Yo, this, this show is getting too ridiculous with how quickly time moves moving. It just goes by. Time flies by when you're having fun. Oh, of course. You can't have fun and have it feel like it's going on forever. Speaking of going on forever, someone just got a contract extension and is staying on Lucasfilms for another three years. And that is the Lucasfilm president herself, Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, it seems like the CEO of Disney, Bob, whatever the hell's last name is, is very satisfied with how Kathleen's been handling the Star Wars branch. Had just just been satisfied how she's been handling Lucas films because not just Star Wars are also producing the new uh, Indiana Jones film, and obviously uh, George Lucas was uh, behind those films during the eighties and the and that other one that came out in the two thousands with Shia LaBeouf. That was uh, him and Spielberg project, but uh, Spielberg's not going to be involved in this film. I'm pretty sure he's probably going to get like producer credit or something, but he's not directing, so. I, I don't blame him. He wasn't satisfied with the way he directed the fourth film or how that film came out. So he's definitely, you know, hang, he hung up the hat when it came to directing those films. But it seems like they're still going to keep on going just like these Star Wars films. And Kathleen Kennedy doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon. How much money did the movies gross? Oh, God, I got to give me a few. Are, are you, you talking about the Indiana Jones? No, I'm talking about the Star Wars film under her guidance. That would be the the new trilogy, I would assume. Like, when did she become president? Uh, she became president as soon as I would say that uh, Disney purchased uh, Lucasfilms with George Lucas. And, yeah, that was prior. This, yeah. So I want to know how much she grossed because if it grossed a lot of money, that would explain why. Because look at how much backlash there was on those films. It's almost unanimous, specifically with the hardcore Star Wars fans. And they're still going to stick with the same person that they feel assassinated or is partly responsible for assassinating a great franchise like Star Wars. So, The Force Awakens, Episode 7, grossed $936 million, Almost a billion dollars. That's a huge hit. Oh, uh, and the last one, The Rise of Skywalker, grossed $515 million. Still good, but you would think for a Star Wars film it would do better. And what about uh, Last Jedi? Or $620 million. Hmm, So, they went down and down more and more. Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah. So as the movies went on, the uh, growth had slowly decreased. And Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which was the prequel to Episode Four, did five hundred thirty-two million. That was the one that was based on Han Solo, right? No, that's no, that's a different film. Oh, okay. No, the, the so one. So was... If you want to know how that did, that did two hundred thirteen million. That was a, that was like the lowest grossing Star Wars film under the Disney banner. 
Uh, so, yeah, that's still really, really good, but holy Christ, like, I, I can't really say because um, going back and trying to see how much the other Star Wars films grossed would be kind of hard because it was a different time period and exponential inflation and all that stuff. If you look at how much the movies of uh, Charlie Chaplin had grossed, they only grossed like a million. But when you think about the time period, when they grossed that type of money, that type of money is like freaking uh, endgame money. So there was one point where Charlie Chaplin was like the richest man in America. For fuck's sake. The first ever million dollar man. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he was Ted DiBiase in the teens and 20s before they can even conceive of a million dollar man. But um, getting back into this, I guess the money is right, but it just seems like under Disney there's been a lot of like missteps. Um, Solo, I don't think Solo was the victim of a bad movie. I, I never saw it, so I can't really say. I think it was a victim of the um, oversaturation of Star Wars because they were just pumping out movies left and right. You had the, the new trilogy. You had uh, Rogue One. You start having these side projects. You have Mandalorian and all that. Like Once Disney took over, it was just like Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, like all in our face. I... A controversial opinion. This is something that I think Ellie will hear and want to choke the shit out of me for. But, like, I've always been a bigger fan of the Harry Potter franchise than I was the Star Wars. Not because I think Harry Potter is objectively better, just that it interests me better. I don't see her choking you over that. She's a huge Harry Potter mark, too. I did not know that. Okay. I knew she was a Star Wars fan, but I did not know she was a hardcore Harry Potter fan. But I think the plan with Kathleen Kennedy is that she wanted to release a Star Wars film either every year or every other year. Yeah. So, like, bi-yearly. Why, though? Why uh, to compete with Marvel? Because prior to, before The Force Awakens came out, Star Wars was the number one movie franchise in the world. That's not the case anymore. As you could just tell by the numbers I was just reading to you. Marvel has taken their spot. They're now at the head of the table. So, why hire the person that you almost made an argument made them no longer number one? I don't know. I guess either Kathleen Kenny's a really nice lady, which she is a very nice lady. But I I don't know. I guess yeah. the, the, C, the CEO loves her. This was yeah. this was his decision in the end. He chose to extend her contract, and for the looks of it, I, she doesn't seem to be going anywhere anytime soon. Being nice is not going to rake in um, what your goal and goal is. Your end goal is to make Star Wars the biggest franchise out there. I remember um, a YouTuber making this argument, and it was uh, focused on Nintendo and how in 2017, morally. Nintendo was pretty much on fire, and uh, in a good way, because for years, and even currently, Nintendo has a bad rep when it comes to, quote-unquote, not listening to their fans. It's kind of like they listen to their fans, but they don't listen to their fans. But when Satoru Iwata died, I think this other guy took over. And Satoru Iwata was very um, old school when it came to games, it seemed like he was the type of guy that liked it when people were in a room together playing a game as opposed to playing online. He didn't feel that there was like that uh, connection. 
But then this other guy came along, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I don't even think he's president anymore. But he was a much more stern-looking guy, meaning, like, business. Like, he's very business-oriented. And at the time, the Wii U was out for a few years, and the Wii U failed. It failed miserably. It's Nintendo's worst-selling console. And not because it was bad, but because it was marketed horribly. It came after the Wii, and they market it like as if the Wii U was a peripheral for the Wii uh, with the tablet because the Wii U's uh, controller was basically a tablet. But they they promoted it like as if this was an attachment to the Wii, but it wasn't. So it confused many people who were looking at it and thinking, oh, it's an add-on to the Wii. No, it's an actual new system. So it kind of fucked itself there. So when the Switch came out in 2017, the Switch was on fire because you had Breath of the Wild, you had Super Mario Odyssey, you had Splatoon 2, you had... The, the 2017 was a great year for Nintendo. It, they really picked it up. And they... One person made the argument, it may have been the new CEO who noticed this decline in how the Wii U was, how Nintendo has been. We need to really rake it up. Now the, the Switch, I think, is up to 93 million units sold. So the, the Switch did fucking great. So... If you want Star Wars to become the number one franchise, you can't hire somebody who's really, they may be nice, but they're not really helping the, the product in and of itself become the number one product out there. Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. I would figure, did, did George Lucas have any part in these three films? Nope. Once they bought, once they bought him out, that was it. They just threw him to the side, and you know he's just sitting at home enjoying retirement. I'm pretty sure he's having buyer's remorse because mm -hmm. even though he got paid all that money, you know deep down this is his baby. Well, that is a thing because look at how many times George Lucas goes back to his old films and and re-edits them and and redoes certain things that. Realistically, he doesn't need to do. I, I, there is a documentary, I think it's called George Lucas versus the Fans, that I really want to watch. And it's all about him taking stuff from the old films and changing them. But it's not even so much that he's changing them. Like, for example, uh, obviously back in the day, they were limited to the technology that they could use. So yep. they used whatever they could. I, I, I'll just give a brief example. In Star Wars Episode One, Yoda's used via a puppet. But he re-edited it to make him look more 3D animated. And yeah, went, yeah. some of those are okay. But there are certain things that did not need to be edited that he went and edited. Now, that's not the bad part. The bad part is, is that he will allow these films to be released, but he'll never release it in the form that it was in originally. Like, even Star Wars A New Hope. I don't think anybody has an original copy of what it was when it first came in theaters because I think he went straight to editing shit uh, before it even got released at home video. It's yeah. like, give the options for us to watch it the way it was intended at the time because sometimes we don't want it to be edited. It'd be like if, uh, I'll tell you one of my favorite fantasy movies of all time. This is one of my favorites of all time. You can give me shit for it, I don't care. Never ending story. It's one of my favorite fantasy films uh, of the 80s specifically. 
I think I would cringe at the fact that somebody would take the movie and re-edit it and redo everything and make everything look more modern, but never allow me to watch it how I saw it when I was a kid. That would just be weird. I want to see it in its original form. To me, some of that charm is from what they used back in the 80s. Absolutely. So, but I'm going off to the tangent here. The point is... That, that, that seems to be like the holy grail. If anyone has like the original copy of Star Wars. It wasn't even called The New Hope back then. It was just called Star Wars. Right. And Disney Plus, I think, will definitely increase uh, uh, numbers, viewers, or subscribers. Because you imagine if they put up the original Star Wars trilogy in its original format? I did not know that. They I should do it. I think it's a missed opportunity. Still not too late. Yeah, like um, the bar scene in Return of the Jedi. That's been completely redone, and it's just like... With the song that they replaced it with, it's nowhere near as good as the original. And then just just certain things in general that they re-edited just didn't make any sense. The only the one that does make oh well, there's two that I wanted to bring up. But one that makes sense. It was a deleted scene at the time. It was in New Hope when uh, Jabba the Hutt is asking for his money from Han Solo, and Han Solo is just like, oh, I'll get it to you. When they originally made the scene. Uh, hot, or Jabba the Hutt was an actor. It was an actual person in just a suit. But then they deleted the scene, and then by the time they went into episode six, obviously Jabba the Hutt was no longer a human. He was just some weird lizard mongoloid. So when they wanted to bring that scene back, obviously, well, we've already uh, made canon on the fact that Jabba the Hutt is like a lizard thing. So they had to do 3D animation to, to make it make sense. That actually makes sense. But remember the whole who shot first, Han Solo, or I forget the character's name that shoots at him. But it's like originally Han Solo, quote unquote, shot first. Or if you want to play semantics, he was the only one to shoot. Now it's semantics. But then George Lucas edits it so that the other guy shoots slightly before Han Solo shoots. And it's like, Han Solo is not a cleansy good guy. I think we talked about this already. Mm-hmm. Han Solo is the Steve Austin of the duo, whereas Luke Skywalker is more of the Hulk Hogan or the John Cena. Yeah, Hans was always almost like a like an anti-hero. He always did what was best for him. But of course, in the end, he ended up helping Luke and uh, Princess Leia and the uh, nah, the Republic. Yeah, jo- uh, freaking Chewbacca, Obi-Wan. Well, Obi-Wan gets killed in New Hope, but you get the picture. Yeah. But, uh, going back to the point that was supposed to be made in the first place about George Lucas having buyer's remorse, he probably does. Because, yeah, as you said, it was his baby. But it's crazy because I remember watching a Howard Stern uh, episode, or it was a clip, really, of Mike Judge. And Mike Judge apparently has no say in merchandising because he had sold all of his rights of Beavis and Butthead to MTV. So there was products that he didn't even know about. And obviously the whole clip is them showing him all the merchandise that they had made of Beavis and Butthead. And the way that they were able to get around it was that they didn't put his name, Mike Judge's, at Beavis and Butthead. They just put Beavis and Butthead. So now he doesn't get any of the royalties that are made from those being sold. So Wow. Could you imagine George Lucas not making a fucking dime out of any of these films unless it's put in the contract that he gets royalties? But 
based on what you told me, it looks like he sold all of that shit. Yeah, he sold for over a billion. Uh, how much did Disney buy? Was it either two or four billion? They uh, bought Lucasfilms. And when buying that, you bought everything. Uh, yeah. All the rights to the Star Wars films, with the exception of the original trilogy, which some of that still was owned by 20th Century Fox at the time. And guess what? Disney bought them too! <laughs> so now they own everything! Oh yeah, Disney taking over the world. It's a shame. So, you know, what's the plan here? What's going to happen next with Star Wars? Are they ever going to get their number one spot back? I highly doubt it. I'm not really sure where they can go from here. But they are doing some good things. A lot of people do like The Mandalorian. I thought The Mandalorian's a good show. I would recommend it. Um, I don't know where the movies go. Um, I know they're bringing in some Marvel people over to kind of help out. I mean, you got Jon Favreau, who directed the first Iron Man, who kind of started the whole MCU. He's running uh, The Mandalorian. Um, uh, Kevin Feige, he, I know he's supposed to be in charge of some of the movies that they're doing. I don't know if that's still happening. I, I don't know what the fuck their plan is, because they really screwed up with that new trilogy. Do you think that they'll make them non-canon, like they'll do with the what they did with Halloween? Oh, this didn't count. Um, I wouldn't be against it, because right now the man the, the show Mandalorian takes place four years after the events of Return of the Jedi, so they're no war. They're heavily distancing distancing themselves from this new trilogy, which the new trilogy takes place like forty years or fifty years later after the events of uh, Return of the Jedi. So as of right now, the, the live-action shows have nothing to do with the new movies. They're still basically cashing off the original trilogy, which is what this whole Star Wars franchise has been since day one, since uh, Phantom Menace. Yeah, I guess I'm just one of the few that did not mind the prequels. Uh, they were what they were. I, I thought they were fine. I mean, the second episode is a little bit, eh, it's whatever. I, I'm one of the few that did not mind episode one, maybe because I'm biased William these. And then I actually saw episode three in theaters, so there is bias there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did too. I saw the third one in theaters. But that's what's going on with Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, with her, she's probably going to want to do another trilogy with the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, Jesus Christ. Harris, how old is Harrison Ford now? He was old when, he, when they made the fourth one. And at the end, they hinted that uh, Shia LaBeouf was going to take over the role, but then Shia LaBeouf basically got blacklisted from Hollywood. So now who the hell is going to take over? A female? When did he get blacklisted? Around the late 2000s. I don't I don't know exactly. I mean, there's stories that he hasn't had. He has. He can have a bitchy attitude. I know he had an issue a few years ago with Alec Baldwin about on some Broadway show. But Shia LaBeouf does have, uh, I guess, a dark side to him. I don't know if that's the right way to put it. But he does have an attitude to him, which did cost him roles. Because at one point, Steven Spielberg, I mean, was producing all his films. I mean, Spielberg put him in Indiana Jones. He wanted to make it the next Indiana Jones. Well, yeah, I remember that clip of Shia LaBeouf shouting in somebody's faces right when Trump either got elected or was being inaugurated. He's, like, screaming in somebody's face. He will not defy us! And and maybe it's just the prick in me, but I'm just like, no, don't worry, he won't. You're doing a good enough job for him that he doesn't need to, all right? You're you're doing a great job, okay? That's all all I got to say. You go and divide everybody while he just goes ahead and grabs some pussy. Look, he just, Shad just wants to keep things even, Steven. Oh, wow. 
I, I had to get that in there. That that is like the biggest dad joke that I think I've ever said <laughs> on the show. I couldn't help. I saw I, I saw an opportunity and I took it. I cashed in my briefcase. Oh god. But uh, before we get into today's big film discussion, I'm going to mention it real quick. Patreon.com slash Just Chillin' Network. For $1, you get full access to this episode, along with the other great past episodes. You can follow us on Instagram at Just Chillin' Network. We're on Twitter at Just Chillin' Net. And you can find us on Facebook at Just Chillin' Network. You can follow my good partner on Instagram at Owen underscore heart underscore guy. He's on Twitter as well at Monoxide YouTube. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. At Silent Poison. Follow us and subscribe today. And give us a dollar. We can really use it. Yay. With that said, we're going to get to today's film discussion. <laughs> what we got today is 2010's Devil. Uh, this was a story by M. Night Shyamalan. He did not write oh. this film. Because he was, uh, he had other directing commitments to another film that came out that very same year. A film to this day people have not forgiven him for. They still give him crap for. 2010 was not a good year for M. Night Shyamalan. And the film he directed was Nickelodeon's The Last Airbender. Before we get to Devil, I have to ask you, have you ever seen The Last Airbender? The movie? Or the show? I've seen... Some episodes of the show back in the day. I, I I just know that it it involves a kid who's the heir to another airbender who's still learning the uh, four elements of life that could save the world or whatever. But he's still too young and he needs to. What's his name? Ang or Ang? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I, I kind of understand some of it, but. It's I def I heavenly recommend you watch that show whenever you get the time. Just watch the first season of the show and then watch the movie. And then you'll see uh oh boy. It's something yeah, you just well, got to see for yourself. I I guess uh, before I even do that, is everybody's hatred of the last Ember and the reason being that M Night Shyamalan uh <laughs> I did that purposefully by the way. Um, M. Night Shyamalan, is there a re did he basically butcher the story from the show into the movie? He didn't follow yes. it. All right, guys, listen, I already sympathize with you. You already know where I stand on this whole ordeal with Tekken. You know where I stand. You have my blessing. You have my sympathies. We can relate. I get it. That's all I need to say. I don't even need to see them. I, I may do so just for the sake of it, but I don't even need to see it to already feel pity for you guys. That being well, said, even uh -huh. if you don't want to watch the movie, just watch the show because the show is fantastic. It's one of the best shows Nickelodeon has ever done, ever. Mm. For me, for me, it would be my top three. Really? Really? Like shows or just Nicktoons? Nicktoons. Shows, oh boy, I have to really sit down and think about it. You got Hey Arnold, you got Rugrats, you've got SpongeBob, you have Fairly Odd Parents, you've got Rocket Power, you've got Rock was Modern Life, you got Ren and Stimpy, you've got a whole plethora of shows, and you're putting I, them. I put it over the majority of those shows you just said. 
Uh, hey Arnold, I'm gonna give another watch. I have it on my list on Paramount. Same with Rugrats. I I want to watch that, you know, with today's eyes. See how those shows have aged on me over the past hey, at least two, say two decades. Hey Arnold is too great. I can't put anything above Hey Arnold. That was that was my show back in the day. Uh, SpongeBob, forget it. SpongeBob is like so quotable even to this day. The early stuff, maybe the yeah. Later. That's to me. That's what hurt SpongeBob was that it just the show that overstayed its welcome. But the early stuff was fantastic. At least early stuff prior to the movie. Right. And uh, Rugrats, same thing. I would say pre two thousand. All throughout the nineties, Rugrats was a great show. I think past two thousand, maybe past Rugrats in Paris. I would say the Rugrats kind of just went a little bit downward. I would uh, even say I wouldn't even say post their first film. Like the late, late nineties. You can make that argument, but I again I have to watch it again just to see how those episodes have aged on me, you know, with Dylan on the on board. But yeah. We're all but as I mentioned, Avatar the Last Handbrother, check out the show. But I was just the reason I can. We got to go back to our original film. It's all based on M Night Shyamalan. This was a story he did. Uh, he didn't direct this film. Uh, someone else directed it. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna let you take the rounds because I remember we brought up this film a few times on this podcast. I figured, you know what? Let's watch it. It's on the cock. It's on the peacock. It's not a long movie. It's only 80 minutes. And uh, well, the story is pretty simple. It's about uh, five strangers. They uh, go in his elevator. They had to go to up to their floors to do whatever. And they get stuck. And one by one, they all get killed off. And throughout the film, we learn a little bit about each character, how they uh, ended up in that position, how they, how basically the devil timed everything perfect for uh, to him for him to get what he wants. Or in this case, defending the body he uh, possesses to get to the final soul that he wants. Something like that. Yeah, it's like... So, so the film actually starts off with a freaking suicide of some random person, unnamed individual, who was holding a uh, necklace of a cross. Apparently that's part of the ritual, is that somebody's got to kill themselves before the devil can go ahead and fulfill their, this, their plan. And the devil takes the form of an actual human, so it's like, okay, sure. So five people that enter this elevator, you've got one guy who looks like a drifter, you've got an old lady, you've got a younger lady, you've got a guy who sells mattresses, and one of the security guards who's not really a security guard, he's a temp. So they get into this elevator, and as you said, the elevator itself somewhere just gets discombobulated and gets stuck. And that's where all five of these individuals are locked in. And one by one, or eventually, weird stuff starts to happen. But meanwhile, while that's all going on, there's a cop that you're starting to follow his story where he investigates the suicide. Or, or the, the first thing they do is they show him at his, the diner with his partner. Or no, it wasn't his partner. It was almost like his publicist or something. His publicist, his friend, whatever. They're just there for that scene. We never see him again. Yeah, and it's just basically him saying, you're finally getting over your marriage. Well, it wasn't a failing marriage. Uh, they were alluding to the fact that his wife had died. His so, wife and his son. 
and his son. Well, I was going to get to that. I kind of wanted to. Oh, I'm sorry. But it's, it is what it is. So, yeah, his family's dead, but it's not explained how they died. So he's starting to move on. He uh, is called to a crime scene where the truck just somehow moved away. Because keep in mind, the dude that committed suicide or man, woman, whatever, fell out of a high story window onto a truck that moved from the scene. And so we get to the scene where now that's going on. Meanwhile, all the five of these individuals are stuck in this elevator. And you got the mattress guy who's like the only one with like a lick of charisma to him because everybody else is just completely like whatever. But of course, the one with so much charisma has got to die first. So I'm, I'm jumping ahead. But yeah, strange things start to happen in this elevator while they're trapped in the elevator you've got two security people in their security room you got ramirez and then you got this ludwig guy who's watching everything that's going on and is trying to get them out of there but ramirez is the one that's like religious and superstitious and all that so anytime he sees something it's got to be a ghost it's got to be this that and the other He's the one that's picking up on the fact that this is starting to come off like all this, the old tales that his mother told him when he was younger. So they're trying to communicate with them while they're locked in this elevator. The problem is, is that they can talk to the people in the elevator, but the people in the elevator can't talk to the security guards. Yes, Never. So it's a, a one-way communication. Yes. And then you come to find out that all five of these individuals have some sort of rap sheet attached to them. The guy who sells mattresses was part of some Ponzi scheme that basically asked out a bunch of people. He was bur virtually Bernie Madoff in this scenario. Not exactly, a little bit of differences, but yeah. The security guard obviously has assault charges attached to him. Uh, the old lady is shown to be a thief. She robs people of their wallets. The young girl, what was it they said that her crime was? She blackmailed people? She blackmailed people. She's married to she some guy who's rich. Oh, she shoplifted. She shoplifted a bunch of times, and then all of a sudden, all the times that she kept getting arrested for being shoplifted stopped because she married Stop. somebody. Yeah, some rich guy. She marries like a rich husband, and he's basically always able to buy her out of whatever jam she gets herself into. Right. She's a liar. But now the only person that doesn't really have any sort of record on them is the, uh, the, the mechanic. The yes. mechanic. I, I call him a drifter. I don't know why I'm calling him a drifter. Uh, yeah, mechanic, pretty much. So all we know about him is that he was in Afghanistan for a bit. So then, you know, lights, the, the lights all flicker on and off. So lights flicker on and off. The girl gets bit in the back. That's when the crazy stuff starts to happen. Wink, wink. And so... And they, while, uh, the salesman has blood on him. Yeah. And they all think it's him that's causing the whole entire thing. But then... Uh, what happened next? So the lights flicker on and off again. And... Eventually, the salesman is shown with a shard in his neck. Killing. So again, the guy that has the most charisma attached to him is the one that dies first. 
great. He was the one that was keeping this shit entertaining, and now it's like, whatever. So he dies, and now the cop is with the security people. So they have to investigate, because obviously this is a murder that's going on. And now, obviously, Ramirez is going off about, you know, Diablo and all that. And here comes the scene. Infamous scene. So... You know how most people, they come up with scenarios as to when somebody's presence is known. So Ramirez is trying to make a point that, you know, the devil comes. And the first point he makes is that why is it that when kids nearly fall by the table, their heads never hit? They just barely miss. Okay, maybe he's going somewhere with this. But then... Even the cop, who's like us, is like, make your fucking point. He grabs a piece of fucking toast. One <laughs> side with jelly, the other side not. He flips the piece of toast, and it lit, it falls jelly side down. And that's when you know the devil is here. If it's jelly side down, if the kid hits his head, that means the devil is here. Best two out of three. Do it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Could you imagine how he would have looked if it landed jelly side up? He's like, oh, wait a minute, let me try that again. <laughs> right. Like, come on, man. This is some dumb shit. But yeah, so. Oh, by the way, so the security guard. He, he's claustrophobic, apparently, and he also makes mention that he never seen a dead body before along with the young woman. So now they're all freaking out in the freaking elevator. Oh, the one thing I did like, though, was when they kept playing the elevator music. And it was driving them nuts. And there was one part where uh, the mechanic's, like, screaming his head off, like, Somebody please turn that fucking music off! And you see the security, and they're like, Man, he looks, like, distressed. Maybe it's the music that's driving them nuts. <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> I, he's got a firm grasp of the obvious. Uh, so <laughs> keep in mind, while all this is going on, they're radioing this guy named Dwight, whose specialty is to try and get them out of the scenario. He's like one of the mechanics there. And there's one part, this, this fucking was so stupid. So the old, he's literally dangling on a hook to go on top of this elevator shaft. And the guy is trying to reach him on his walkie-talkie, and he's trying to grab it, and he's very wobbly on this thing. If I'm in his shoes, I'm not grabbing my walkie-talkie. I couldn't give a fuck how angry the person is. That's my life right there. First of all, I'm, I wouldn't even be in that situation, hanging on a rope. I understand, like, he had no other way to get there except the rope, but wasn't there any other elevator, like, doors that could have popped open? That were like, let's say they're stuck on a 64th floor. Just open the elevator door to the 65th. Apparently not. So he falls to his death. But when he falls, his walkie-talkie is there. And they're all like, oh my god, we're saved, this and the other. But then they see the blood, and then that's when it all goes to shit. So... I think there was one part the mechanic was trying to... I mean, he wasn't trying to escape, but he, he was going to try to see if there's a way out through the roof of the uh, elevator. But then the, the young woman was like, he's, he's escaping! Get him! Yeah. And then a security but, guard pulled him down. 
and said, we're all going to stay here. Like, oh, yeah, that's a nice idea. Stay here where you possibly pulled the wrong fucking person. Like, how do you know that was the right person to begin with? Could have been the old woman. Could have been the young one. I don't know. It's, it, it is what it is. Anyways. Lights flicker on and off. Just like the story. And then, all of a sudden, the old lady is found hung. Strangled. Now, here's the crazy part. They're trying to look at the list. So, when they came in, they had to sign in. They had to sign in because they were in for, like, some sort of meeting. And everybody had signed in, but the, the cop ins insinuated the mechanic never signed in. So he had to get more dirt on this guy. So now there's only three left. There's the security guard, the young woman, and the mechanic. They're the only ones left. And the woman seems to think that it's the mechanic doing all this crap. And so there's one part where, because the the security guard did raise two alarms with me. The first one being that yes, as the mechanic points out, that his claustrophobia was just coming in and out. It was like, what the fuck? He's claustrophobic one minute, but he's not the next. But the other part was was that he said, I've never seen a dead body before. But then later, when the old woman hung herself. And he took her body off the, the cable. He tried to close her eyes and her eyes just wouldn't close. And, he, and the security guard said, Ah, oh, no, their eyes won't close. Not for another few hours. How the fuck would you know if you've never seen a dead body? Yeah. It's there to create doubt. But anyways. Create doubt, create tension, create the fact that he's lying. Yeah. So now... They put their hands up against the wall, as instructed by the cop. The woman, the young woman is like, oh, I'm too tired. And then he, the mechanic makes a claim that it's, she is like the instigator of all instigators. And eventually the lights go out again. Oh, keep in mind, Ludwig, one of the security guards, decides to go and investigate uh, the basement where another, it would they feel that this could be another reason the uh, elevator is stuck. And on top of that, they try to get in contact with the young woman's lawyer. Guess who played the young woman's lawyer? From Jason X. Yes! <laughs> I was like, this is, this is great. Special Jason X. Because there's one point where they had to get in contact with him because they wanted to find out if there was somebody trying to harm her in any way. Yeah, or they're doing an investigation on each of the each of the people in the elevator just to find out who they are and why why they're at that building. And now I the building they're at, it's just some like some big corporate office building, by the way. Yeah, they're trying to narrow down who's his killer. And we're down to three. We've got the security guard, the young woman, and the mechanic. So, once again, lights are flickering on and off. And so, the cop says, keep your cell phones on at all times. But Yep, when the lights go out. Yeah, but then the devil just, just swipes the cell phones, and you see the security guard's head completely twisted 180. 
now it don't make sense. And then that's when Ramirez is like, see, he's trying to make this look nonsensical. He's trying to throw us off. Now, keep in mind, before the cop decides to even entertain this idea, he said in a hypothetical discussion that we are not having, how does the story of yours end? And he goes, they all die. Because the whole story is, is that they all got to pay for their for sins. sins. Yeah. So all of a sudden, now they're looking at each other, thinking that the other person did it. So they grab a glass shard. And the cop is trying to get them to not kill each other. So I think the liquor, lights flicker on and off. And eventually, the mechanic's fiance is able to break through and explain that that's my fiance. What was it, Jane Kowski or whatever? And he looks through the list of all the people that signed in and didn't attend their meetings. He's like, he made the list. Yeah, they wow. thought they thought Jane Kowski. What was it? Was a separate word, and then she said, "No, it's one name." Yes, exactly. No, and. Before- and- and he left his tool, his tool bag in the bathroom because he didn't want, because he showed up late. And I was, supposed to, I was supposed to come in and grab his tool bag while he's up doing his, his job interview or whatever. Because right. they thought he was there to, to like fuck with the elevator. That's why they saw those tools. But they're looking at security when he came in and he had a satchel that he is not in the elevator anymore. And he goes, they look in the bathroom and they find that satchel underneath the sink. Yep. There's also one part that just is fascinating to me. There's one part where the cop leaves the room and leaves Ramirez in the room to go ahead and and be his crazy self. This is before he's even entertaining this idea. Why would you allow him in the room where he can just stir up shit? Because there's one part where he takes the, the little radio thing and decides to start praying in Spanish. To just like really, really instigate this whole freaking bullshit. Oh, and that Ludwig guy, by the way, when he went to go look at the uh, problem in the basement, there was a cable that was, like, disconnected or whatever, and it was sitting on a bunch of water. And he yeah, it, was like a, it was like a puddle of water around the... He uh... grab it with a fucking stick, and then he stupidly steps in the puddle and gets electrocuted. Okay? I guess whoever is trying to help the situation, they get killed because they're not supposed to get involved in the devil's work. Yeah, because at this point, they got the firemen. They're trying to... They're breaking down the wall to get through the elevator. They're doing everything they can to try to get inside this elevator. Nothing seems to work. Yeah. So now we're down to the final two. Lights flicker on and off, and now Jane, or whatever her name is, the young woman gets stabbed in the throat, and now it's just the mechanic in the room. And then that's when we hear Jane Kowski. He actually signed in. Now, remember the old woman we talked about that got hung? Well, she's the devil. The symbolism here? Don't know. Don't know why she was the devil. It was just a swerve. With a twist. What's up? Yeah, with a twist. (laughs) That is an M. Night Shyamalan what a twist. A twist that makes no fucking sense. But whoever did this next part really fucked up. And it all has to do with the placement. I'll tell you the play I'll tell you what they did and then I'll tell you what I would have done if I was doing this movie. So she's the devil and she's basically calling out the mechanic saying you you think you can escape this. He's like no, I deserve this blah blah blah. But 
they play a flashback. All right, let, let's back up a bit. Let's. Ramirez is talking about the devil, right? And the cop shows him a coupon, a car wash coupon, and on the back it says, I'm so sorry. And he tells the story of when him, his son and his wife got killed. They got killed in a hit and run, and the person that did the hit and run just left an I'm so sorry. And that's why he doesn't believe in the devil, because he believes that people themselves are inherently bad people. Why do we need a devil? And that's just, that's where we stand. That's the little nugget. That's a little teaser. Because he, five years have gone by. He doesn't know who killed his family, but he's just so upset. And he's so, like, angry at the idea that somebody killed his family, blah, 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 blah. So they play a flashback. And it shows the mechanic drunk driving, excuse me, hitting into that cop's family. So that's the connection. The mechanic was the one that killed his family by mistake, and that's when he freaks out and writes, I'm so sorry. That's when him and the devil start going back and forth. She's like, uh, I'm going to take you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, uh, I deserve it. You need to take me, blah, 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 blah. And while all this is going on, the elevator like yanks down, and the dude from above with his radio plops through, and the radio goes to the goes inside the elevator. He grabs the actual radio and admits to his his sin. I killed this, that, and the other, blah, 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 blah. They fucked this up. Had they just taken the flashback scene and played it after he admitted it, it would have made for a more effective thing. Because I think that when you do the build-up and you're like, you still don't know him saying, oh, yeah, I, I deserve this, blah, 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 blah. I deserve it. I'm I'm sinful. You should take me instead. And then he just grabs a radio and says, I killed this, this, this. And you realize, oh shit, that was him. Then they play the flashback and show you what happened. It would have been 10 times more effective than what they did here, which was they played the flashback first, then they had him admit it. Mm, yeah, so it was just it was the placement of that scene. Right. Think of it like this. We were talking about Star Wars earlier. How effective do you think, Luke, I am your father, or technically he said, no, I am your father. How effective do you think that would have been if George Lucas actually made episodes one, two, and three first before he went and did episodes four, five, and six? It yeah. wouldn't have been as effective because you would have already known by that point that Darth Vader was the father of Luke and Leia. But when he says, I am your father in episode five, you don't know that because all that was there was episode four and five. And you're shocked because it's like Darth Vader's the father of Luke Skywalker two polar opposites same thing here it's just like it hits you out of nowhere saying I killed uh, a, a boy and a woman over in this area and I'm so sorry I was drunk blah 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 and then then you play the flashback and it kind of puts those pieces back into the puzzle together <sighs> such a real s simple switch that makes all the difference but yeah that's oh i forgot about this the old woman just looks the devil and says damn i really wanted you like what's stopping you from taking him well he conf he confessed his sins doesn't mean that you're gonna be accepted 
Well, I don't think that. I think she even asked him, "Do you think you're just going to be forgiven?" And he was like, "No." And then that's when he confessed. But the thing is, he's not going to pay. He's now going to suffer the punishment for for confessing. He's now going to do his jail time or whatever sentence he's going to get. So technically, he saved himself in the end, even though he won't be forgiven. Well, I well, guess. Well, I guess it depends. It's that scene with the cop I, after they're in the car. He says, "You know." One of the things about things I would say to you and what I would do. But now that I have the opportunity, I want to say I forgive you. But it's like, I don't know. Because he admitted well, I, it. I, I, I guess time heals. Maybe. I just don't see like, okay, you, you waited until five years later to admit the truth. So now he's automatically uh, saved from his, I, I guess that's the case. Because he went out and confessed his sin? All right. I guess. Well, and I guess that, that gives closure to the cop. That's, I guess that is why the devil let that person go. But it's like, you're the devil. Don't you make rules when it comes to hell? If you decide you want that person, you're going to get them. And not only that, it's not even like they alluded in Ramirez's story that the only way to get out of this is to admit your sins. He never said that. It's never alluded to the fact that if you admit your sins, you're free. I think had he said that, that would have that probably would have gave away the ending. Not necessarily, because as I said, we don't before the flashback and everything, we don't know anything about this mechanic other than that he was in Afghanistan. We know that he may have been done something wrong. But we don't know, like, we don't know what his major sin was until the very end. We know that he's just like these other four individuals. We're putting that piece of the puzzle together. But if the whole idea is that you have to admit your wrongdoing, the other four may have not even known what they were doing was wrong because that's how sinful they were. Specifically, the mattress guy. I mean, he clearly looked like a guy that had no fucks to give. Who knows who this guy was if he had any fucks to give for his sins. But then when it's revealed that he does have some sins to cleanse, and then you do what I say, you let him confess first, then play the uh, flashback, I think it still would have been effective. Because the swerve is not so much him confessing, the swerve is the actual confession itself. I don't... Uh, it, it, everything was just ridiculous up to this point. So the devil says, damn, I really wanted you gets up, twists their necks, lights go out, and then that old woman disappears. Old woman disappears, everything starts working again, the elevator door opens, the cops freaking out like, where is she? Yep. And that's where the scene happens, well, like you said. They uh, are in a car, he's being taken to the police station, he says, I forgive you. And mechanic cries, and then just a random shot of Philadelphia for some reason. That's the movie. That uh, that's a that's a M Night Shyamalan trope. All his films take place in Philadelphia. Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, Split, uh, his last one, Glass. That's he's like he's like Stephen King. Stephen King's in Maine, Shyamalan's in Philly. I'm surprised. Was Last Airbender in Philly? It would have been. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't just make it modern time. He put it in I mean, Philly. Might as well. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> 
I'm surprised he wasn't the one that did the Romeo and Juliet uh, modern version with Leonardo DiCaprio and Claire Danes, because that's something that M. M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong over there would have done. Oh, yeah. A modern take in Philly. Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> like, this is my major gripe with M. Night. It's every movie that he has has to have some sort of fucking swerve to it. Like, why? I kind of feel like he he did put himself in the corner after a while when he because that, that kind of like became his gimmick. Sixth Sense had a good twist. Um, I did not see the village, but I know the twist that happens in the end of that film. So yeah, and and there's that's I mean this is not an M Night movie, but think about the swerve in uh, Eternal Sunshine for the Spotless Mind. It starts off with Jim Carrey waking up and meeting up with Kate Winslet, and it looks like they're starting up a relationship, and then credits roll opening credits then the whole movie is jim carrey realizing that kate winslet's character went out and erased her memory with this device of the relationship so he decides to do the same thing so now it's like 80 minutes of it, all of his memories being erased until it's completely fully eradicated and the swerve is remember that first scene that actually takes place after he erased his memories and then they go and show you them uh, interacting with each other then come to realize they had erased their memories and like, wait, we dated at one point? Blah, 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 blah. That was the swerve there. Sometimes swerves are good, but sometimes it's like, it's no longer a swerve if people are expecting a swerve. You know, it's almost like he tried to be like Rod Sterling with the toy. He tried to be like a modern Rod Sterling with his stories and his twist. Because this story, Devil, could have worked as like a half hour episode of The Twilight Zone. In, in a way, it, in a way, it reminds me a bit of like monsters doing Maple Street, where like things start happening and everyone starts to ride on each other, which is basically what happened with Devil. All you know, all these five people, they get, they start getting suspicious of each other. Eventually, I mean, look what happened. They're putting having glass uh, pieces of glass to you know protect themselves, thinking one, you know, which one is the killer. Right, but. The swerve that they could have really tackled in the the dude in the the elevator saying that I did it, it, it wasn't as impactful because all it was, and it was so simple, they they didn't swap the scenes. All they had to do is just have them admit it first, then play the flashback. It, it it was so simple, and yet they fucked that up because I guess the bigger swerve was the woman being the devil, the old woman. Like, that's more of the uh, convenient swerve. Like, come on. So, with this film, I'm going to be honest. I came in. I've seen this film a while back a couple times. It was eh. After watching it now, I will say I don't hate this movie because I think we've seen much worse. I think it's very average. It's okay. It's average because it's not long. It's, it yes, it's, it's 80 minutes. I was surprised. Like, oh my god, it's only 80 minute movie? It went by quick, I will say that. Yes. It's a very spontaneous film. It doesn't feel long at all. So that's why it's not as bad. It gets the reputation that it has because of the fucking toast scene. Um, yeah, that yeah, that's that's like my really big takeaway from it is that the jelly side down. Jelly side down, yeah, exactly. That's what makes it ridiculous. And then of course one of the security guards being dumb enough to hold an electrical wire and stepping in the water. Oh, and then and, and the other guy that was trying to uh, lower himself to an elevator with just very minimal equipment. He's basically dangling. He's trying to get his walkie-talkie because he has to be on the walkie-talkie at all times. Fuck you. 
I'm getting down here first, then I'll take my walkie-talkie. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very easy film to swallow. But like, again, I think that ending, the scenes need to be flopped for it to really be effective for me at least. But based on the history of this show and how many different movies we've watched so far and how many movies we're about to watch in the future, it's this is probably on the low list of movies that are really bad. So it's thumbs in the middle for me. Yeah, same. I mean, I, I want to say go out of your way to watch it, but if you come across it and you want to check it out, go ahead. It is an average film. It's not going to... I mean, it's a little hokey. But overall, uh, Devils is available on Peacock for anyone who wants to check it out. Uh, we both give it a thumbs in the middle. You know, nothing too terrible. It has his little silly scenes here and there. But overall, I think... I'll say it's shot very well. Um, it, it does it does a lot of things. It does more right than wrong, I will say. Yeah. The story's not great, but again, it's an 80-minute film. The movie doesn't overstay its welcome. It goes by pretty quick. Yeah, it's all half and half. It's you can't hate it because it doesn't drag. That's one thing I can say. It's not going to drag at all. But as we said, it's probably not going to be one of those movies that you're going to sit there and be like, "Wow, that was William Shakespeare material there." Mark Twain, as one would say, Mark Twain fucking shit. Overall, I think that's going to do it for episode this episode. For uh, Monoxide, I'm Terminator Travis, and we'll see you guys uh, on our next round. Take care, guys. What a twist. Get a fish! <laughs>